We're going to continue this series. We're wrapping it up today. We've been in this series called uh, How to Get Through What You're Going Through. And, and how, do we, how do we get through all this stuff that's coming our way? This has been a year that's just been a crazy year for all of us. And, and so I want us to look at how do we get through this. The first week we just talked about just understanding God's goodness. And we talked about the importance of uh, being together and the importance of us just grasping this firm foundation that God is in control even when we're not and that God is working, and that we can continue to praise him, and we can continue to have the perspective, that perspective is not what you're looking at, but it's how you're looking at it. And this week has been all of that. It's been funny, all the eight days people that are here, come on, eight days, come on, let's hear from you. We love you, we're thankful for you. I, uh, so one of the things that I've been preaching on is that you, whatever comes your way, you can view it as an obstacle, or you can view it as an opportunity. But, but the view is up to you. And so this week I was coming in and out of our church and eight days has been stationed here and their admin office is over there in our kids check-in area. And so some of the ladies that were in the admin stuff, we were talking about that message and she, she looked at me, she said, I've had a ton of opportunities this week. <laughs> I said, hey, well, good, you're getting it. So this has been, this whole series has been about perspective, really. It's about perspective, helping us gain a perspective of what God is trying to do in this moment through his church, through us, and in us as a people. Last week, I, I, I did a message called, I'd like to file a complaint. And I talked about complaining. I've never done a message on complaining. But I, I felt like it was just so important for us in this season to talk about that, that topic. Because it's so easy in these moments that we can get into kind of a grumbling spirit because things aren't going our way. Uh, or, or maybe it's just not happening as quickly as you want it to or whatever it is and that we can begin to grumble. And we looked at the children of Israel. We're actually going to go back and look at the children of Israel today. But I, I want to start this message by asking a question. And, and you can be honest in here, okay? This is a very honest church. You won't be judged for being honest. If anything, you'll be praised for being honest because we, we all are probably have said something like this before. How many of you said this at any time, maybe either during the, the pandemic and the quarantine time, or maybe even recently, where you've said, I can't wait to just get back to normal. Who's, who said it before? Okay, all right, all right, all right. So look at the person next to you go, you ain't nothing but normal. No, I'm just not going <laughs> to Look at the person you didn't want to look at and say, you ain't normal at all. Um, normal, normal, normal. Man, I just can't wait to get back to to normal. I, I know when we were in the whole quarantine time and, and uh, our church was kind of shut down as far as building wise. The church wasn't shut down, but the buildings were and we were doing a lot of, you know, Zoom meetings. Come on, I was Zoomed out. I was just like, I'm done with Zoom. Um, and I, that was something that I would say pretty often, man. I just can't wait to get back to normal. I can't wait to get back to church. I can't wait to get back to life groups and I can't wait to get back to just being around people. I can't wait to get back to eating in a restaurant. I can't wait to just get back to my kids going to school. I can't wait to get back to, anybody glad for that one now? So, so I think there's this thing inside of us all that we wanna get back to what is comfortable and what is normal. I, I just pray that I, I, I get back to what's normal, but isn't it crazy that oftentimes we wanna get back to the thing that we wanted to escape from? We were... We, we were living a life that we were like, man, I just can't wait till I have a vacation, or I can't wait till I have a break, or I can't wait till I have this, and now you get to a point where like, I want to go back to the thing that I wanted out of. 
Can we just get back to normal? Well, can I just make a statement today? I'm going to make it anyways. I don't know why I ask these questions. I'm making this statement. And that is, normal is not working. Normal is not working. If you look at society, there's nothing really that's normal for the most part that is really working. When you looked at even your schedules, maybe pre-COVID or any of that stuff, normal wasn't working. I mean, overwhelmed and stressed and always busy and and never having enough time and, and always putting urgent over important and always kind of panicked with everything that's going on. I mean, no, that, that was normal for many of us. When you look at money, debt is not normal. Broke is not normal. Living paycheck to paycheck is not normal. And yet for most people, that is their normal. But when that's all you know, that is what is your normal. If you look at relationships and you look at people, you know, hopping around from person to person to person to person, hoping to one day finally get married and they finally get married and then when they doesn't work out the way that they want it, they just trade them in for a new person. How many know that's not normal? But yet, unfortunately, today's culture, it is the normal. You live with them for a long time before you ever marry them. That's become the normal. But Normal is not working, and I think we're going to see today that what we've been wanting to get back to, that maybe God is saying, I don't want us to get back to that. So I ask this question, what if normal isn't something to get back to, but something to look forward to? What if it's something that God's wanting to bring us into? Now, when I think back to my generation, my days, so I'm an 80s child, okay? Any 80s childs in here, like 80, 80 kids? Okay, all right. Uh, if, if you were in the 80s, or whether you had kids in the 80s or you were a kid in the 80s, one of the things that I looked back and I remember the most about the 80s, that I love the most about the 80s, was the Nintendo. Come on right now. <laughs> How many remember this controller? This controller has had, has had many hours, many, many, many hours. The Nintendo, the, this, this controlled my time and my day. And how many remember this was back in the day when you bought a game and then you didn't have to pay any more money after? Like you bought it once. Now, nowadays you buy a game and you're buying it 25 times. This was the game, I remember, I remember this. Come on, how do you remember that right there? <laughs> Blow harder. <laughs> you remember that? This was, this was the days where you would scream at Mario and Luigi. These were the days of Duck Hunt and Techno Bowl and Pac-Man and all those fun games. These, this, was, this was the day. Now, um, my boys are some gamers, and... It's funny because now you got all these Xboxes and Playstations and, and they try to have me play with them now and it's like I have no clue what I'm doing. I was like, I was like the Mario guru. Now they put a controller in my hand, I'm like, what is this? How many, there's 16 buttons on this thing. Four buttons in the back on the left side, right side. You've ever seen those, those controllers? They're just, they're, they're so crazy. And then I'm looking at the screen and I'm like, that's a little too real. That's, a, that's super real. And, and so it was funny because, uh, I don't know if it was last Christmas or a couple of Christmases ago, that my boys wanted to buy the, this Nintendo here. And the cool thing is Nintendo actually came out with the vintage Nintendo where you can get all these games back on the Nintendo now. I'm like, yeah, y'all want to come back to my day, my time. And, then I, and so when we bought it, Lindsay and I were like, scoot over. 
this is no lie. Lindsay and I beat Mario World like we were like 12 again. It was just like, yes, watch out for the shell. Watch out for the shell. I mean, we were just going at it. The boys were like, what in the world is going on here? It's because that's what we knew. Uh, What is new now, I don't know. And I really would like to just get back to this. So if we do play video games, me and me and Joel will play Contra or Tecmo Bowl, or we'll pull this controller out. I cannot play the Xbox or the PS. I'm not really good at that. But this one, I mean, I bought it. So, I mean, we're... And then, but, but this, is, this is what I know. This is what's familiar. This is, this, is, this is home to me. I don't know the other stuff. I remember back in the day, Blockbuster. Come on, I remember those days. Come on, I mean, Blockbuster was the place to be on a Friday night. Y'all remember? You'd be in Blockbuster for three and a half hours. Just looking for the movie. By the time you picked the movie, it was so late. You didn't even watch the movie on that day. Because by the time, how many of y'all remember those days? And you were going and looking. And how many of y'all remember late fees? You had to rewind it before you brought it back. And if you didn't, you got a fee for that. Come on, those are the days. Those are the days. It was just a date just to go to Blockbuster. That was the date. You didn't even get the movie. That was, that was the date. But long are the days of Blockbuster now with Netflix and Redbox and everything else that comes to you now. It's a totally different day, which I'm grateful for today. But it's just what I knew back in the day. I think when I, the reason I say all this is because these are things that were normal to me. These were things that I grew up with. These are things that I have so many memories with. And when things started to change, there's almost a resistance to the change because it's not comfortable and it's not normal and it's not what I know. But the new stuff is better for me, but it's not what I know because what's normal to me is going out. And I believe we're in a season As a church, we're in a season as followers of Christ, we're in a season as the people of God, that we're coming out of something that was so familiar, something that we knew, something that was normal, and there's a disruption that's happening within it, and everything within us wants to just go back to how it was before, but God's going, no, 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 I have better stuff for you, but because you're holding on to this, you're never going to experience the best because you want what you had before. So I want to give us a couple thoughts today for us to work through. And the first one is that God isn't leading us back to normal. He's leading us forward into new. He's not leading us back into normal. He's leading us forward into new. And, And I want us to go back and look at God's people that we looked at last week, the children of Israel. Everything within them wanted to just go back to normal. And God was trying to lead them into something new. But think about this for a quick moment. For four hundred and almost 50 years, they were captives. They were prisoners. They were slaves to the Egyptians. And, and, and they were not treated well at all. They got to a point where Pharaoh was so upset with them that he made them go and get their own straw and make their own bricks and still have the same 
same quota that they had before. I mean, they were beaten and they were abused and all of this that was happening. And God broke for his people because they cried out to God, deliver us from this, deliver us from this. And so we know he sends Moses, who is a unique character in and of himself, who has an incredible backstory of how God brought him into that moment. But he brings Moses in and we know the story of the 10 plagues and we know that God gets them out of this place. But they were a generation that was just never enough. And if if you know anything about Egypt, and you know anything about the wilderness and about the promised land, and I've shared this in the first week, is that each one of those represents something different. So Egypt represents a place of never enough or not enough, and the wilderness represents a place of just enough, and the promised land represents a place of more than enough. And so here they are in a place of never enough. Have you ever been in that place yourself where it's just never enough? I feel like we live in a society where it's just never enough. It's never enough money. It's never enough information. It's never enough connection. We stay connected to our phones, craving connections when we have people in the room that we could be connecting with. But because it's never enough, it's nothing ever satisfies, we always want something more. And here we are, the children of Israel are in a moment where they're in a not enough place. They believe that there's something more And so here we go, God is in the process of delivering them out of not enough and bringing them to a place of more than enough. And I want us to catch up in the story in Exodus chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or if you have them on, you can turn them on to there, however that looks for you. But this is what it says in Exodus 14, verse 10. It says, now this is what's happening. They have just been delivered out of Egypt. They are on the way out, and and, and Pharaoh realizes, oh, All of my labor force is gone. Over a million people are now leaving. And so it says, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, so he he grabs all of his army and he says, we're gonna go get our slave force back. We're gonna bring them back. And so as they approached, uh, the Israelites looked up and there was the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, now watch, they say this to Moses. Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have, everybody say this, what have, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Boy, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. They're the ones who prayed and cried out to God to deliver them out of Egypt, and now that they're getting delivered out of Egypt, but there's a little bit of hostility that's coming their way. How many know as soon as hostility and tension come their way, it's all of a sudden Moses' fault? They forgot that they prayed for this. Yet again, remember, they prayed to get out of this, and now they're wanting to go back to the thing that they prayed to get out of. And so instead of taking blame for it, like, we, we caused this, they go, well, who can we blame? Moses. This is your fault. You're the one. What, what have you done to bring us out of Egypt? Look at the next verse that says this. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to what? Die. die in the desert. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, here's a big point I want to make. When you are faced with fear, we always go back to what's familiar. Whenever you're faced with a moment where fear comes on you, you always want to go back to something that's familiar. It's, it, it, it brings comfort to you, so you go back to things that are familiar. Think about how crazy this is. They craved to have freedom, but whenever they were faced in a moment with fear, they went back to something that was actually killing them. 
Instead of facing uncertainty, they would rather go back to familiarity. And that we do the same thing. Instead of going into the unknown and to the future that God calls you to, I'd rather go back to the thing that's actually killing me. And we do the same thing. We, we want to go back to the things, go back to the people that are killing us, go back to the patterns that are killing us, go back to the jobs that are killing us, go back to, this, to the TV stations that are killing us, go back to the websites that are killing us, go back to the pills that are killing us. And instead of being brave and facing the unknown of where God is calling us into a place of freedom, we wanna go back to what's familiar. The unfortunate thing is what's familiar is the thing we prayed to get out of. This is why people that have addictions and they come out and they go, man, I don't want addictions anymore. And God begins the process of delivering addictions out of them. But then when it gets to a point where there's so much pressure, there's so much tension, what do they go back to? You go back to what's familiar. This is why women who are in abusive relationships and they cannot wait to get out of this relationship eventually get enough stamina and enough courage to step out of it. But as soon as something starts going wrong, they go back to the person that was hurting them the most. And we do this in all different areas of our lives. We step out and go, God, I'm gonna trust you. And we, we you know, step away from a job or something to step into something that we feel like God is calling us into. But as soon as it kind of gets rocky for a moment, we go, whoa, hold on, will you take me back? We do the exact same thing. And it was, think about this, it was easier for God to get the people out of Egypt than it was for him to get Egypt out of them. It was easier for him to get Pharaoh to let his people go than for his people to let Pharaoh go. They're, they're coming back to a place that God is trying to get them out of, and he knows that the only way he can get this out of them is he's got to get them out of Egypt. He's got to get them away from what's going on, but they're craving to go back to a place that is comfortable, a place that is familiar, even though it's killing them. Everybody listen to me. I pray we never go back to normal because normal wasn't working. Normal for your family wasn't working. Normal for your marriage wasn't working. Normal for your finances was not working. It was not working. If you're honest, it was not working. And what anything that God has done in this season of 2020 has revealed to us where we put our hope into some things. But some things you got to get shaken up to realize, oh, wait, that's not normal. And so here we are in this moment, God is bringing them out, and I want us to read something. Uh, let me give you the second thought, and that is that the world, what the world calls normal, God calls broken. What the world calls normal, God calls broken. R R Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 1 and 2 says this, beloved friends, watch this, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred Everybody say this, what? Sacred living sacrifices. Watch, he goes on, he says this. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Go back to the verse before this. So he says, I want to encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. Now you need to understand how and what he's talking about, because he's talking to the Romans who have understood that their relationship with God is strictly based on what they do. 
It has been built on sacrifices, that if you want to have a connection with God, you need to present sacrifices to him. Relating to God was a sacrificial system. But how many are you thankful for the new covenant? You're thankful for Jesus, who was the ultimate sacrifice, the Jesus that took our sins, our shame, and our guilt. And so what he's telling them is, hey, listen, you used to, you used to kill goats and you used to kill lambs and you used to kill doves and you used to kill all these things to, to make yourself known to the Lord to, for forgiveness of sins. But he says, now Jesus has come and now Jesus has a new way of doing things. There's a, there's a new normal. Your normal of relating to God is broken. There is a new normal on how you relate to God and how many are grateful for his marvelous mercies his marvelous mercies that are here. And he encourages them. You're gonna, here's what the new normal is. Before, if you wanted to make things right with God, then, then you would sacrifice something. You would, you would show God that you really mean it. And we do the same thing. We do the same thing. And here's how you know, because I, I hear people say this all the time. Yeah, I just need to get back to church. I just need to get back to church. Yes, you do need to get back to church if you've been far from church, but the truth is you need to get back to God, not back to church. I mean, no, God cleans us up, not church. But there's this thing inside of us to get back to what's, what we think is normal, like, oh, I just need to go, go into church, and I need to confess my sins in church, and God will forgive me, or I need to get baptized, or I need to start doing stuff. Right? We do the same thing. We go back into this works system where we gotta, we gotta prove ourselves to God so he can love us again. But how many of you thankful? We don't obey so we can get approval. We got approval, therefore we obey. Amen. God approves of me. Therefore, my obedience is there. And so he's telling them, listen, your way of relating to God seems normal, but it's broken. It's a broken way. There is a new way of living in your relationship with God. Here's the new way. You're going to surrender yourselves to God, and you're going to be his sacred living sacrifices. Now, there's something about sacrifices that you need to understand. Every sacrifice that they did in this time in the Old Testament, those sacrifices were dead. Okay? They were dead sacrifices. You killed the animal, then you laid it on to be a sacrifice. Paul's flipping this whole thing upside down. He says, no, we're not dead sacrifices. You're actually living sacrifices, and you're going to put yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice. Now, here's the problem with the living sacrifice. Ready? You squirm off. Is this not true? The problem with the living sacrifice is that the living sacrifice wants to keep getting off of the altar. And so this is what God's telling us. Ready? In this season, if you want to get through what you're going through, you need to daily present yourself as an offering to the Lord and put yourself on the altar and go, if there's anything you want to do in my life today, if there's anything you need to do in my heart, if there's anything you need to do in my mind today, I present myself to you as a living sacrifice. And the Bible says that when we do that, it is an act of worship unto him. It is a worship to the Lord that every day I'm presenting myself and going, God, is there something today that you want to sacrifice? So I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'll, I'll give you a part of mine. So last week I did a message on complaining. Guess what I did on Monday morning? Don't judge me. Okay, listen, I'm... So, so Sunday night I had kind of a, a, a not, not Jesus attitude, and Monday morning I didn't have the most Jesus attitude as well, and just things not going well, and, and I had to repent before my wife, and say, I need to live out what I preached yesterday. And, and so I had to repent before her, I had to repent before the Lord, but it was the process of putting myself back on the altar and going, 
God, I gave this to everybody yesterday, but God, do this to me too. Do this to me too. This is the process of God putting us. So I want to ask this question. What part of your life is normal that God is calling broken? What part of your relationship right now that you think is normal in your marriage, but it's actually broken? What part of your finances do you go, oh, that's just normal when it's really broken? What part of your attitude that you think is this normal? That's just, a, that's just how my father did it, my, and my daddy's dad did it, and we just all do that, and we all just deal with anger. No, 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 that's broken. Well, what part of your life are you calling normal that is really broken, but this season is exposing that and showing that that's not normal, that's actually broken, and God is trying to show you what's broken because he wants to heal it. I mean, God never exposes broken areas unless he desires to heal that area. So this isn't condemnation, this is conviction. Oh man, there is something here, there is something that I'm dealing with that I need God to work through. Maybe God is trying to get you to release what you've known in order to receive something new. You've always done marriage this way. You've always done relationships this way. You've always done your money this way. And God's going, maybe, just maybe, that's broken. And you need to give that up so you can take on something that's new. You go on in, into verse two now. And he's talking, now that, now that he's talking about your relationship with God and, and how we relate to God now, thankful that because of his grace and his mercy and we receive forgiveness and we can walk into his presence and we don't need a living sacrifice, a dead sacrifice, we're the living sacrifice. Now he goes and he starts telling them something else that they need to begin to work on. He says, stop. Okay, when I pause, that's for y'all to say it. I just wanna, I'm sorry, I'm training, I'll train y'all. Okay, so when I pause, that's when you say it. Okay, we'll try it again. Stop. Man, y'all are so good. Okay, thank y'all. So stop imitating the ideals, watch this, and opinions of the culture. Of the culture. This is hard to do because it's so prevalent right now. We're about to get into election time. That's a whole nother thing. And you're going to hear everybody's ideals and you're going to hear everybody's opinions. And, 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 and Paul is telling us, stop imitating what you're hearing and what you're seeing because they think it's normal, but it's broken. Yep. It's broken. Watch out for the culture that's around you. But be, watch this, here we go. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Okay, this is huge here. So uh, other translations would, would say this, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I just want to, I want to, I want to, I want you to see it in, in different translations so you can capture it. So this word conform, ready? This word conforms, it means that we are, we are conformed from the outside in. What we're around, we become. You ever notice that the environments that you're around, you become a lot like them? You're like, I'm not super negative, but when I get around these people, I get negative. You ever been around that? Hey, by the way, that, that, that also works in the other opposite. When you're around godly people, guess what? The Bible says he who around godly becomes wise. So hey, if you want to be wise, get around wise people. You want to be fool, you know who to hang out with. All right. So he says, stop imitating or don't conform. Don't allow outside to conform to you, to conform to it. Watch out. But, but to be transformed inwardly transform, which, by the way, the way God works in transformation is not from outside in, it's from inside out. This, this is what he does. He, it's an inside out work. The Greek word for transformed, 
is this, metamorpho. It's where you get the word metamorphosis. It's what, it's what we know happens to a, a caterpillar. I, I don't know a lot about caterpillars. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. Uh, if y'all thought I did for some reason, I apologize. I do not. But I have read the Very Hungry Caterpillar book many a times. So I feel I'm a bit expert now. If you've ever read the book, who's read the book? You read the book? Okay. If you haven't, you need to. It's, it's exhilarating. Um, it's, it's amazing. But when, the, when, the, when that worm gets into that cocoon, and it, it's, it's not just arranging its pieces and just, you know, building wings and all that stuff. It, it literally is releasing enzymes into the cell of its body, and those enzymes are beginning to work and create literally new things, create wings, create bodies, create eyes, create antennas. This is what it does. As as those enzymes move throughout its body, it begins to create something brand new. And Paul is using a word of metamorphosis because he's saying that when the gospel gets on the inside, when the gospel gets inside of you, it starts releasing things and it starts creating things from from the inside out. God starts doing a heart change inside of you. You used to be super. You were negative Nancy all the time. But now the gospel's getting inside of you, and now now your words are changing, and now what you do is changing. And now when this person used to hack you off all the time, you're like, no, give grace. And you're like, who are you? Anybody a witness to that happening in your own life, that now now people around you going, man, you're different. And, and what's happening in that moment is that the gospel's getting on the inside of us and the spirit of God is getting on the inside of us and it's working and it's moving and it's transforming because this is what God does. He transforms us by the things that we do. So I wrote this down. What if God's normal is not about doing something new but becoming someone new? See, the will of God, this, this, this verse says that you're gonna be transformed into the will of God. The will of God. You're gonna live out the will of God. And everybody thinks that the will of God is something that I do. But could it possibly be that the will of God is not something you do, but it's something you become? I'm gonna say that again. Could the will of God not be something that you do, but be something you become? Everybody wants to be, I wanna be in the will of God. Well, you can be in a will of God wherever you are as long as you're becoming more and more like Jesus. It doesn't matter what college you go to, what job you choose, what person you marry. What, all of that doesn't matter as much as you pursuing God's will and God's desires to become all that God has for you. How many know when you become what God has for you, he will point you in the directions he wants you to go. And we get so worked up on what we do that we miss out on who we become. Who before do. So I'm going to ask two questions. Two questions that I think we've got to ask in our lives when it comes to what God is doing inside of us. Number one, what would your life look like if it was driven by a desire to please God? And, and this is the exact opposite of everything that is inside of us because everything that culture says and everything inside of us says, what would my life look like if I was driven by my desire to please myself? And so this is the exact difference of of what we think is normal. Because normal is you take care of you, everything's about you, everything revolves around you, and then then if you submit your life to Christ, you start realizing that's broken. Because everything that I wanted to do for me made me miserable. Everything that I wanted, how many know you centered around you is miserable? 
because everybody around you has to cater to you. I mean, that's miserable. And if you don't realize that, just get around people like that. Number two, the second question that I want to ask is this. Do you see everything in your life as something given to you to offer up in service to God and others like Jesus did for you? Do you realize that everything that God has put in your life, and I'm not just talking about your talents and your time, which those are huge, and I'm so grateful for those who use their talents and their time and their treasure and their money for the advancement of God and for the blessing of others, but I'm even talking about just even your experiences, even your hardships, even your trials, even your sufferings. How many know God can use our pain for his purpose? And some of us go, I don't want to talk about that. No, 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 no. You need to talk about it. If God has done something in you, come on, how many know your mess is a message if Jesus is in it? If Jesus is in it. Because here's the beauty of our story. Ready? Here's the beauty of our story. We're not the hero. And so what would it look like if everything that was in your life that was given to you, you offered it up in service to God and to others? Number three, and I'm wrapping up. I got two more. What the world calls weird, God calls normal. So what the world calls normal, God calls broken, but what the world calls weird, God calls normal. Think about this. The Bible says, bless those who curse you. Is that weird? Yeah, but in the Bible, it's normal. How about forgive those who hurt you? How about love those who are your enemies? I mean, no, that's weird, very weird. How about if you want to be first? You gotta be the last. If you wanna be the greatest, then you need to be the least. You need to be the servant. Think think about how this works. What we think is extremely valuable in culture is worthless in the kingdom, and what seems worthless to the culture, how many know is valuable in the kingdom? Think about how this works. God says, hey, you wanna have more? Give it away. What? (laughs) Yeah, you wanna have more money? Tithe, give 10% of your money. That does not make sense. I don't know how God's kingdom works, but that doesn't make any sense at all. But I mean, God's kingdom is very different than the world's kingdom. And God is going, hey, listen, what everybody says is weird, I'm calling normal. So I I don't want to live the normal that the world calls normal. Come on, I want to live the normal that God calls normal. I want to be that. Number four, you'll never experience new unless you're willing to do what's next. All right, last one. So you go into verse 13 now of Exodus. They're, 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 at the, they're at the Red Sea. They got the Egyptians coming at them and the massive army on one side. They got the Red Sea on another side. They are sandwiched in between these two major, major obstacles. And they look at it and go, is it an obstacle or is it an opportunity? And here we are in this moment. This is a moment. And so Moses answers the people in verse 13, and watch what he says. Here's what Moses says. Remember, this is perspective, not what you see, but how you see. And Moses says, hey guys, listen, do not be afraid. What are we to do? Stand firm, stand firm, watch this. And you're going to see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Stand firm in this moment. Now watch, he continues and he says this. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again and the Lord will fight for you, and you need only to be, you only need to be still. So here's my question to all of us. What does it take to stand in the face of incredible opposition? 
Some of you are in that right now. There's incredible opposition that's headed your way. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's internal, maybe it's external, but many of us in here are facing some stuff that if we're honest, we go, God, how do I just get through what I'm going through? I just, I just would like to get back to normal. I'd like to get back to before the diagnosis came. I'd like to get back to before all the problems were in my marriage. I'd like to get back to when I actually had money in my checking account. I'd like to get back to, and God's going, listen, we're not going back. We're moving forward. We got something new. And Moses stands up and he says, here's the word of the Lord. Don't be afraid. How are we going to pay this? Don't be afraid. How are we going to get through this? Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Stand firm. What does it take to stand firm? Courage. It takes courage. It takes courage to fight for a marriage. It takes courage to fight for a family. It takes courage to fight for a lost child. It takes courage to, to fight for your finances when, when you feel like you're drowning in debt and you don't know where to turn. It takes courage to fight depression and, and, and distress and all the things internally that are in our own minds. It, it takes courage to do that. But let me remind you what courage is. Courage is the confidence in God's promises, in God's presence, and in God's power. Because I know this, fear has killed more dreams than failure ever will. There are more people who have not stepped out because of fear than of failure. And today I want to encourage us to stand firm. Now watch this, this almost seems like a paradox because he tells them, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, stand firm, God's gonna fight, be still. Now watch the next verse, verse 15. He says this, or 16, we got the next verse? Yes, no, maybe not, okay, all right, I got it. Says this, oh, is that, that's it, yeah, that's it, my bad. Y'all are awesome, thank you, Hannah, you're amazing. <clears throat> then the Lord said to Moses, watch this, why are you crying out to me? Well, because last week, Pastor Josh said, we cry out to you, this is what we're supposed to do. Tell the people to get Let's get moving. Now wait, hold on. What, what? If I was Moses, I'd be like, wait, time out? I just told the people to stand still. Now you're telling me to tell the people to get moving? He's like, yes. Because they're not going to experience new unless they're willing to do what's next. And if they stay still in this moment, they're they going to be some Egyptian chopped liver. <laughs> But they've got to get moving. Well, where do we move? We got a, we got a red stick, a, a red stick, a red sea in the middle. And, and then that's where we know the story where he, he raises the stick and the waters part and they start, they start walking in this. But I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, this is what the enemy wants to do. One of his greatest tactics on us when you're in a season of uncertainty, I don't know what, any of y'all been there where you don't know what the next step is? Like, I'm just not quite sure what the next step is. The greatest way that the enemy does it is he uses fear, but here's what fear does. Fear paralyzes. So it gets you stuck. So you don't do anything. You don't do anything at all. And so yes, they need to stand still because God is going to fight for them, which he's about to do for them. If you know the story, he does fight for them. But he also reminds them that you've got a part to play in this and you've got to get moving. How many know you don't get free by just sitting there and going, God, make me free? How many know you've got to do some things to get free in your life? 
Come on, you know, you gotta maybe get rid of the computer or you've gotta start getting accountability or you've gotta go to counseling or you've gotta get a budget. Or you, how many know there's things you've gotta do if you wanna see freedom, if you wanna see movement, if you wanna see something new, you've gotta be willing to do what's next even when, when you don't, you're stuck. We're never gonna go back into this season because God won't move until you move. And so God, how many, how many know nothing's happening until Moses goes, ah, 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 you know, in that moment. And even, hey, by the way, even when he did that and the waters parted, how many know they still had to walk? Can you imagine being in the middle of the Red Sea? I'd be like, you know, it'd be like Instagram Live. Look at this, look at this. Like being in the midst of the miracle, but you don't even realize it's a miracle till you're on the other side of it and you see what God does to his enemies. Could it be that we are in the midst of a miracle, but it seems like an inconvenience, but it's really a miracle in the moment? I believe we're in a miracle moment, but God is calling us to take some steps. God's calling to say, hey, well, are you willing to do what's next? Whatever, whatever the next thing is right in front of you, are you willing just to do that? Faith and obedience is our responsibility. The results are God's. So what is God calling you to do next? We identified, you identified, what area of your life is broken that you're calling normal, that God says is broken. Now, ready? Here's the next thing. What is the next thing? And if you don't know what the next thing is, get around somebody who's wiser than you and say, hey, I don't know what to do, what's next, and, and let them help counsel you through maybe the next steps that are in your life. Maybe you're just lost and you have no hope. Hey, how many know the next thing is just surrender your life to Jesus? Come on, how many know Jesus is way better at controlling our lives than we are? So today, I just want to encourage us in that to walk in this place that you'll never experience new unless you're willing to do what's next. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your word, thankful for just the challenge today for us in the midst of everything that we're going through to be reminded to not go back to what's familiar, that you are bringing us into a future that's filled with uncertainty, but also filled with so much potential, so much purpose. Our greatest days are ahead of us, but may we not allow fear or failures to, to keep us stuck. May we not allow the uncertainty to drive us back to what's familiar, to the thing that was killing us in the first place. But God, may we continue to take steps of where you're calling us to go. If you're here in this room and you say, Pastor Josh, that, that's just me. I, I, I know God is speaking right now. There's some, there's some things that I've called normal that really are broken and I need the Holy Spirit to come on the inside out and do a transformation from the inside out. If that's you, just being honest in this room, come on, honesty is huge. If you're honest and humble enough to say, that's me, would you just raise your hand just all across this room? Come on, that's me. Come on, hands going up all over. If you're online right now, that's you, that's you. And I wanna pray for you, come on. I want you to put both hands up right there where you are. It's all right, listen, we're only as strong as we are honest. And in this moment, I, I believe this is one of those step out moments. So Father, in this moment, God, I pray for all those right now with hands raised, those that are watching and those that are here in this room that say, man, I, I know there's something that I've called normal that really is broken. 
And Holy Spirit, we need you to come from the inside out, change the way we think about it, change the way we speak about it, change our heart's desire towards it. God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to restore relationships right now, what the enemy has meant to divide and to destroy. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, humility would come and heal and mend and restore. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in people. God, we come and we thank you, Lord, that you're, you're bringing us out of, you're bringing us out of things that have been killing us, things that have been hurting us, maybe relationships, maybe people, maybe situations. You've been bringing us out of this. And now give us the courage. Give us the courage to step into what's next. Give us the courage to, to become your will so we can do your will. Father, we, we give you this day and we thank you, Lord, right now in this moment. You can put your hands down right there where you are, but if you're here in this room or you're watching online, and your next step is a relationship with God. You just don't have that. That is your next step. Because none of this comes without that one first. Surrendering to his will. Surrendering to what God wants for your life. And so if that's you, I love this because Jesus loved us enough that God sent him to come and live a life you and I couldn't live. And he took on our sin and our shame and our guilt. He was the sacrifice that Paul spoke of. He was the perfect lamb of God that was shed for our sins. And because of the shedding of his blood, he, he came and, and he paid the ultimate price. And he rose again after his death to give us life and to make our relationship with God right again. But the Bible calls us to turn to him. The Bible would call it to be born again, that our spirit is made new. If you're here in this room and you've never Ask God to come and make you new again from the inside out. Remember, this is a transformation from the inside out. I want, I want to pray for you today. If that's you in this room, I want you just on the count of three, shoot your hand up and say, that's me. One, two, three. If there's anybody that's in this room, come on, thank you. Thank you, right there. Anybody else? If you're online right now, thank you, over here on the right. Can we just all pray this together? Everybody that's in this room, I, I want us to pray, because remember, every day we're laying ourselves on that altar. and we, Let's just do this again as a church. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for being my sacrifice, for paying for my sin and my shame and my guilt. You were clothed with my sin so that I could be clothed with your righteousness. Today, I surrender my life again. Be my Lord and Savior. Today, I confess my sins my selfishness, thank you for loving me, for giving me grace. Today, I receive Jesus to change me from the inside out. God be my Father, Jesus be my Savior, Holy Spirit be my helper from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, OSC, let's celebrate with those.